today we're talking about faith over fear. So I, I wanted to propose to my wife, but um, I wanted to make it special. And uh, I had it all planned out where we were going to go eat there. And when we got there, the hostess, uh, who was in on the plan, was going to tell us that the uh, chef had to run home for a family emergency. And he would be back in about an hour if we wanted to wait or we could come back later. Um, again, all part of the plan because it seemed like an extra dramatic step that needed to be added into my proposal. I'm looking at it now and I've been thinking about it. I was like, why did I do that? But I did. And so we left the restaurant, um, you know, befuddled that we can't eat now and we'll have to wait and move the night around. And I said, why don't we go down to the Civic Center and see if they have open skating? We've always wanted to go ice skating. Our very first unofficial date was at the Civic Center. Um, a little more about Rochelle and I. Uh, we were started being friends uh, at age 15. Um, well, we were friends before that, but when she was 15, I went and asked her dad if I could date her, and he said no. And then we just stared at each other for 10 hours. Or it was probably only about a minute or so, but it felt like 10 hours. And then he said, no, I want you to wait a year. Be friends for a year. Come back and ask me in a year. Uh, first of all, I have a daughter. My daughter's my oldest. I did not realize how smart my father-in-law was until I had a daughter. And then I went, oh, now it all makes sense. And so I will be telling anybody that wishes to date my daughter, no. Um, and uh, But so in that period of being friends for a year, um, like all friends do, talking on the phone every night, and uh, we would go over to, um, I would go over to her parents' house, and we'd have dinner every week, and so, you know, definitely just regular friends stuff, um, but uh, we decided we were going to go out to um, a friend date to the Civic Center. We we're going to go to ice hockey game, and so I planned inside the proposal we should go where it all began, and so we, um, I had worked out with the Civic Center this incredible plan where we were going to go, and the Civic Center was going to let us go walk out on the ice, and I would propose in the middle of center ice, and nobody would be there. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, you want to do something, any high schoolers in here, um, people that aren't married, like college, you want to do something incredible for your proposal, just ask people. They will open the doors wide open. They literally let me walk into the Civic Center with nobody there, lights on the center ice, and do whatever I wanted because I wanted to propose. I didn't have to pay nothing, nothing. They were just like, yes, yes, we love that idea. And I was like, all right, I love it too. But there was a problem to my plan. You see, we went to Trey Fratelli's, we ate, we got back in the car, we drove to the Civic Center, we pull up in the parking lot, and I was like, let's go see if they're doing open skate. But there were some parts of the plan that I had not yet thought through, like the fact that the parking lot lights would be off and the door lights and everything inside would be very dark. No cars in the parking lot. And my now wife would not get out of the car because she said, there isn't open skate. Nobody's here. And I said, let's just go check the door. I'm not getting out of the car. I'm telling you right now, I had to unbuckle her seatbelt to get her out of the car. Um, she is still just as stern in her ways, and it makes me better because of it. 
But I finally get her out of the car. I, I pull the door open, uh, you know, with, with the Civic Center. We get there. We go check the door. And, and the whole time, she's thinking, no way. Like, no, no, no. She's like, we can't go in here. We can't go in here. And I'm like, let's just see if it's open. And so I open. Of course, I knew it was open. It was open. I was like, look, maybe the registration's inside. I'm trying to think of anything to get her inside. Like, maybe open skates on the on the ice. Maybe you got to go out there. And she's like, I don't think that's where this is. It's normally at the front. And I was like, no, no, no. It's definitely inside. And so we get inside, and the whole time she's thinking, what have I done? I'm dating a hardened criminal who enjoys breaking and entering into civic centers late at night. Um, and so I finally get her into the hallway, and if you've ever been at the civic center, that floor level, you have to walk through the hallway, and then we get to the doors to the rink, and I open the doors, and of course the lights are on just on the ice. There's nobody there, and, and my wife is looking around. She's going, we can't be here. We can't be here. We've got to go. We cannot be here. And I said, it's okay, let me, let me just, let's, I think we can go out on the ice. And the door was open. And of course, there was a guy, uh, one of the workers was sitting over in, in kind of the corner in the stands down low. And, and she goes, there's a guy there, go ask him if we can be here. So I, you know, go through the ice and I shuffle because I'm thinking, don't break your arm. That would ruin this whole thing, you know? And so I shuffle across and I talk to him and he's like, hey, man. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm the guy that's here to propose. And he's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, do whatever you need. I was like, okay, thank you. I shuffle back all the way across the ice. And the whole time, Rochelle's sitting there. She's like. And, and I get back there, and I was like, he said we could go out there. And without missing a beat, she, she just skips past me. She goes, did you say we could go out there? And the guy's like, yeah, whatever. Y'all are good. She's like, what? Finally, I get her to the ice. And that's when she realized it was not until... We got to the edge of the ice that she saw the podium in the middle of the ice with the box. And I think it, that probably was when it hit her. This was not breaking and entering. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I share that, and I want to talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But before I continue, I want to jump into the Word. I want to read in Numbers uh, Chapter 13, verse 27 through 33, I want to share with you today about Moses and the 12 spies. When Moses sends out the 12 spies, he sends them out to go look at the promised land. And, and the, the 12 spies, they spend 40 days looking and seeking and, and traveling around and, and seeing what God has for them. Checking on the promise of the promised land. But then we see... In, Moses, uh, in Numbers 13, verse 27, it says, Then they gave Moses this account. It says, We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. You see, I love that moment because it is, we went to check on the faithfulness of God and look at what he's done. Look at it. God said he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. And look, it flows with milk and honey. And look at the fruit. But then they continued. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. And we even saw the descendants of Anak there in the Amalekites. They live in the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites. They live in the hill country and the Canaanites. They live near the sea along the Jordan. Oh, there are people all over Moses. The promise of God was there. But there were people that were big. You see, what happened was the 10 of the 12 looked at the 
fear rather than the faith. I'm going to tell you something. Fear will always reveal the strength of your faith. Fear will always reveal the strength of the faith at which you have. The problem was here that the ten feared the land because they focused on the land. They missed the promise because they lacked faith in the promise. But I want to continue on thinking through and understanding that faith silences fear. This is what Caleb says in, in verse 30. It says, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. And he said, we should go up. We should take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. You see, Caleb and the other guy, they're going, guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. The people, the people are big, but, but you remember, you remember what God said? We can certainly do it. We can take the land. We can take the people. But the men who had gone up with them had said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people there we saw are great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshopper in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. You know, I want to tell you, I feel like some of us, some of you, have some people in your own camp that do nothing but spread fear. They do nothing but spread false reports about the promises of God that says, no, 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 you can't do it. You're not strong enough to do it. You're not good enough. You're not qualified enough. God would never provide enough for you. You see, they saw the faithfulness of God but they focused on the fear of the land. They focused on the fear of the land, and that's why it is so important when we look at faith over fear, fear can be loud. Fear in our life can be so loud, but fear is choosing to trust your own strength and your own way instead of trusting God. That's fear. You want to talk about what fear is? It's that. It's saying, I can't do it. My own abilities aren't good enough. My own way isn't good enough. There's no way I could make it. And you stay stuck. But I love what Caleb does in Numbers 13, 30. This, this is, I mean, this is literally a roadmap for what to do when you're focused on fear instead of faith. It says, Caleb silenced the people. He silenced the fear. He silenced those that were spreading all of the things that they could not do and the reports of the people and their size. And he silenced them and he said, certainly we can do it. Let's focus on the faithfulness of God. Let's focus on who we know God is and the fact that he called us out of, the, out of Egypt to move into the promised land. You see, faith requires us to silence fear. Faith requires us to silence that voice in our heads, the voices around us that say you cannot. You see, their story doesn't stop there. I want to jump ahead 40 years in Scripture. It's a long jump. 
But that's the journey they took. I want to jump ahead to the Israelites' promised land takeover, take two, uh, a second attempt that they try to make, but this time under the leadership of Joshua. And if you've never read the story, you can read uh, beginning in Exodus uh, all the way through to Joshua, an incredible story of the faithfulness of God. But in Joshua 2, 1, Joshua, again, he's, he sent some spies. This time, I think Joshua got a little smarter. He said, I'm going to send two. <laughs> this 12 business did not work. There were two good ones. And if you actually read, one of the two was one that went with Joshua or with Caleb. He got to go again. He was the only other one alongside Caleb saying, guys, I think we could do this. No, no, no. Stop, stop. All right, let's take this journey. Let's spend a little more time with learning about God. Here we go, desert walk. But Joshua sends him back. He sends him and another guy. And it says, then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from... Now, hold on a second, because I know y'all are reading this. I'm going to help y'all, because I've heard people read this, and they use it as an excuse to cuss, okay? It is pronounced shatim, Okay. In the Hebrew, it is shatim. You're pronouncing it the other way, you're just cussing for fun, okay? Just a little help there. He sent out two spies from shatim. He says, go look over the land. He said, especially Jericho. Because you look back, what do they say? They say the land of uh, the walls were big. The law, Even in Jericho, Moses, oh, the walls are huge. The people are massive. There's no way we could fight anywhere. Where's the biggest battle going to be? It's going to be in Jericho. So he says, you better go look at the biggest, baddest place because I want the report. Because what I want to see is not the size of the people, but I want to see the faithfulness of God. So Joshua sends them and they go in, they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. And I love this because I think this gets skipped over so quickly. You want to talk about who's qualified to help out people of God? Surely, in man's view, someone who is known as a prostitute would not be identified as somebody that would go, oh, well, uh, they'll help God's people. But God said, no, 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 sorry, your qualifications don't matter. You see, I think sometimes when we get stuck into faith, over fear, and we get locked in that place of fear instead of having faith. We believe this lie that says, well, there's, we're not qualified. We're not good enough. I haven't done the right things. I don't live the right way. I haven't made the right choices. I want to do the right things, but I keep making mistakes. And I'm going to tell you right now, look at what God did with Rahab. Not only did he use Rahab to help his people God saved her family because of her faithfulness to the Israelite people. So Joshua sends his two spies to scope out the land and make sure the land flowing with milk and honey still had the milk and the honey. He's like, look, we got to go out. We spent a long time in the desert. Let's make sure the promise of God hasn't dried up. We got faith to believe that it hasn't, but we need a report. I want some eyes on. I want boots on the ground. I want to know that when we go, that God's promise is still there. And so he sends them in. And this is what I love. In Joshua 2, verses 8 through 11, the two spies are there. They're with Rahab. And it says, before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and uh, said to them, I know the Lord has given you this land. Whew. And that a great fear of you 
has fallen on us. So that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear. That's what she said. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God in heaven, in heaven above and on earth below. You see, she's telling the two spies that Joshua sent, we are terrified of what God is going to do. We are melting in fear. And so the two spies, they come back, and I love in Joshua 2.24, the only account that was given of the land was this. And they said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All of the people are melting in fear because of us. There wasn't talk of, Oh, Moses, there's big people there and big giants and the walls of Jericho are so thick and they shut the gates and we had to sneak out a window just to make it out alive. No, no. Moses, or he said, Joshua, you're melting in fear because of us. Surely we can take this land. God has given us this land. You want to talk about a shift from faith over fear, you see, the Israelites went from being afraid of the land to being afraid by the land. They were fearing the land 40 years ago, fearing the people, fearing the, the groups of people and the size, and now they walk into this promised land and this opportunity that, got, that God is giving them, and the land is fearing them. What changed? What changed? I'm going to tell you what changed. It was faith over fear. And there's a hint in Joshua 3. There's a hint at what happened. There's a hint at what happened in the 40-year journey. You can read through it and you can see it all throughout. But in Joshua 3, 5, before they go to take Jericho, he says this. He says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. You see, consecrate yourselves. Consecrate is such an important word because consecrate is to sanctify yourself. Set yourself apart. Make yourself holy. You see, in the Hebrew, it's the word kadash. And it's incredible because this is the same word used in Genesis 2, 3, after God created the heavens and the earth and Adam and he it, it completed everything. And he says, it is perfect. He set aside one day to Kadash, to rest, to, to just be in what was perfect, perfect relationship. You see, Kadash, this consecration is a call to relationship. It's a call to relationship with God. And I can tell you, it's a call to relationship. You see, between the start of the Israelite journey to this moment in Joshua 3, 5, Kadash is used 75 times. God keeps going, just spend some time with me. 
Let's just, let's just spend a little bit of time together. Consecrate yourself so we can spend some time together. And it just took them 40 years to figure out what that actually meant. That it was about spending a little bit of time with God to set themselves apart, to be who they were called to be so that they could receive the promise that God had for them. He said, set yourself apart. Set today apart for me. Spend some time with me. Be in relationship with me. What God is saying, what Joshua is saying here, it says, focus on the faith, not the fear. Focus on the promise. If you spend time with me, if you know my voice as a father, then the fear gets quieter. And the faith rises up. You see, there's a problem, though. Because faith without relationship lacks wisdom. I mean, it's easy for me to say, I, I, God, I'm going to have faith. Here we go. I'm going to have faith in God. I'm going to trust you to just move forward. And here I go. And, and I'm telling you, I think we're really good at putting faith in our own little ways, in our own little plans that we dress up as God's idea. We are really good at going, you know, this is something I want to do and something I've got going. And, and God, I'm just going to trust you to do it. And never once do we ask God if, that's what he wants us to do. We just start, here we go. This is a faith step. God, here. Whoa, God, you let me, what? hold on. You let me fall. What happened? God goes, well, where are you going? I had you over here. This is where I had the provision. And you just, you just, you had your own idea. You see, faith without relationship lacks wisdom. Lacks the wisdom of knowing where the father is. See, Joshua had relationship with God and the wisdom. And this is what happens after, they, after he says, consecrate yourselves. Set yourself apart because tomorrow, oh, tomorrow, people, tomorrow God is going to do something great among us. This is what happens in Joshua 3.15. It says, now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Waters are high, the highest they've ever been. Yet as soon as the priests, you see, Joshua said, we're marching. We're marching to Jericho and the Ark of the Covenant's going to go in the front. God has told me how this is going to go. So the Ark's going to be in the front. The priests are going to be carrying it. And they're going to lead the way and we will follow. God will be first. We will follow what God is calling us to do. You see, some people just start following their own ways because they did not consecrate themselves, because they haven't spent time in relationship. They just start going off. But Joshua was saying, no, no, no. God told us where to go. He told us the path to take. We're going to put God first, the priest, the Ark of the Covenant, right in the front. And what happens is, it says, when as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan, their feet, uh, they touched the water's edge, and the water from upstream stopped flowing. It says it piled up high in a, in a heap, in a great distance away. It, it piled up in a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down the Sea of Arabath, that's the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. They walk across dry ground yet again. Now, I do not believe that it was a mistake that this was the second crossing for the people of God. See, I think God's given a little reminder to his people to go, you remember my faithfulness the first time I brought you out of Egypt? Do you remember when we crossed? And, and, and here's the thing, you got to think about this. These, these 
people walking across the dry ground, many of them did not walk across the dry ground the first time because this is 40 years down the road. I mean, I'm 35. And so if I'm walking in the desert and I'm walking across the ground and dry ground, I've only heard stories of what my parents got to see God do. And sometimes in our life, God is so good about giving us a little reminder to say, you remember this faithfulness? I can do it again. And I will do it again. Just keep your eyes on me. Don't look at the water. Don't look at this. Don't look at the fear. Don't look at the land. Don't look at the size of the walls. Don't look at what other people are saying. Just keep your eyes on me. Keep walking forward and I'll walk you across dry ground. You see, and I love that it says when their feet touched the water. This wasn't a call to go, okay, well, guys, we're going to have to start swimming and just hope God's doing. No, no, God said, all you got to do is just, just put your feet in the water. Just let your toes touch the water and watch me move. I don't even need you to take a big faith step. This is just the toes in the water. Just a little bit of faith is all I need. And let me reveal why you can keep that faith going. Let me show you what I can do. But faith without relationship lacks wisdom. Wisdom to say, God, are you in this? God, is this what you want me to do? Or God, is this just me? See, relationship changes everything. You know, I think back to our proposal. That time, that fear that my wife had that we were doing something wrong and would end up in jail. That fear that I'm just some hardened criminal that she doesn't really know. I don't know what fears were all going through her head, but you see, there was fear because we had not yet built our relationship. We had not spent time as a husband and wife building relationship. And for me, had I not had the relationship with the Civic Center to say, can I go out on the ice? I would have been in the wrong. I would have been making a very bad choice. I wouldn't make it in jail. Y'all know? I'm too pretty, okay? I, I just won't make it. That's all we need to say. But you see, my plan was good because it was blessed by the owners of the land. It was blessed by those at the Civic Center. My plan was good because I made it, made sure it was good with them. Had I not, then quite honestly, the story would have been very different, maybe over a phone through a glass. I don't know how that live streamed. I'm not sure how that would have worked. But I'm telling you this because I think sometimes, sometimes we actually take our ideas to God. We take our hopes and desires and what we think is best and we take them to God and we put these plans in motion without ever asking God. And then we go to God and go, okay, God, now you can anoint it. I've gotten everything worked out. <laughs> and God is quick to go, oh, okay. Well, I'm going to be over here. I'll watch and I'm going to do what I can, but you got this. You, you said you got everything worked out. I can't anoint it. I can't bless it because it's not, it's not what I have for you. I actually, if you would see what I've got for you. If you just take a moment to look, because I'm telling you, there is something about our good versus God's good. The good of God is always way better than our good. I wanted to say way gooder, but I'm in a school, so I'll use proper punctuation. Sometimes we take our ideas and we go to God and we go, but God, I really think I've got it all planned out. Okay, God, I love it 
I, I think this is my visual of how God reacts when we tell him we have it all planned out. He just goes, oh, hey, angels, come here. Come here, come here. We got, we got another planner. <laughs> mm-hmm, I'm listening. Go ahead. Tell me your plan. Oh, oh, good. Mm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you thought that through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you, I, I might be wrong. But I genuinely think that God just sits there and he goes, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can have your plan and you can, you can keep it going. But when you realize that that plan is going to end you up in the desert again and you want to spend some time consecrating yourselves and being in relationship with me so you can know what my plan is, then we'll be ready. In Romans 8.15, this is what it says. It says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. You see, God wants nothing more than relationship. He'll provide everything we need. He will take care of everything we need, all the things we thought we planned and everything else. When we are in relationship with God, he treats us as a son or a daughter, adopted into the family that we get to cry out, Abba, Father. Band, y'all can come on up. Because here's the thing about relationship. When we talk about faith over fear, we have to understand that when relationship with God is involved, that relationship actually brings peace. Relationship overwhelms us with peace. And I'm telling you this, not from studying scripture, not from being in a place where I've got degrees or whatever it is or whatever notoriety that I would say that I have. I say this because I've seen it firsthand in my own life. I've seen peace that doesn't make sense. I've seen situations and, and trials jump up in front of me. Things walk up and I've seen walls of Jericho right in front of my face. Opportunities to look at the land and go, well, I gotta be afraid. But it's about choosing faith over fear. It's about understanding that the relationship of a father, someone that you can cry out to him, Abba, Father. And you see, I've read that verse time and time again, but I did not understand it until I had my own children. Until I had my daughter, my son, who, when they fall, when they need something, what do they do? They run up. Just walking, they run up. Daddy, Daddy. Just arms out. You see, that's the cry out of the Abba Father that he's looking for. Not this, God, I've got a plan. God, I know what I'm doing. I'll call you if I need you. I'm going to use you like some sort of vending machine. That when I need something, I'll get it. But until then, stay there. Oh, no, no. The kind that's always right there holding our hands, helping us learn to see what walking actually looks like to see what steps to take. Because relationship 
brings peace. This is what John says in John 14, 27. I love this. It says, peace, I leave you. And it says, my perfect peace, I give to you. Not as this world gives to you. No, no, see, that's not real peace. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. You see, there are, there are things in relationship to fear that we have to understand. If we have a relationship with God, faith in God, then we won't have that fear. Our fear is in relationship with our trust and our faith. As our trust in God gets stronger, as our faith in, strong, in God gets stronger, our fear begins to dissipate. You want to have fear removed from your life? Strengthen your relationship with God. Spend time with the Father. Strengthen your faith in Him. Look to His promise. Look to what He's called you to do. Not what the people have said to you. Not what those in your camp have begun to spread around and the fear around you. Because I'm telling you, there's some, some fear spreaders around you. you got to silence the fear spreaders. you got to tell them to be quiet because that's not your focus. I'm not focusing on the land. I'm not focusing on the people. What I'm focusing on is the faithfulness of God. See, when you look to the Holy Spirit... When you allow the power of God to rise up inside of you, you begin to silence the fear in your life. You begin to silence those things. And I'm telling you, it is faith that brings about our victories in our life. It is our faith that casts out fear and strengthens our trust. You see, we can have trust in this incredible Lord and Jesus Christ, the Savior of the earth, so that we can have faith over fear. But faith over fear is a choice. Faith over fear requires faith. It requires a step for us to move out and get a little uncomfortable. To focus on relationship with God, not fear of the land, not the size of the walls around us. I love how Jesus addresses fear with his disciples. In Matthew, they're out on the water, the boat rocking back and forth, Jesus napping like only Jesus can. And the disciples are all frantically running around in Matthew 8, verse 26. The disciples, they wake Jesus up. They're going, Jesus, we are drowning. We're done. They're focused on the waves and what is outside the boat, and they forgot the relationship they had sleeping beside them because they just let Jesus sleep. And it wasn't until things got bad, they said, you know, we should probably wake Jesus up. He should probably know that he's about to go swimming, because that's what they thought. And Jesus says, why? Why are you afraid? This is how actually I think Jesus says it. I think he he's wakes up. He's in that groggy, like, you know, you wake up this morning, y'all woke up, and you're like, time change hit, and you're like, looking around, you know, and Jesus kind of rocking back and forth because you're on this boat. And the disciples are just panicking. And Jesus goes, why are you afraid? You men of little faith, why are you afraid? 
Oh, I know why. Because you're men of little faith. Let me show you what faith looks like. Let me show you what I can do. Then he gets up. He rebukes the wind and the sea. And there was at once a great and wonderful calm, a perfect peacefulness. I'm telling you, I think perfect peacefulness is what some of y'all long for. Because what happens is we've been in this place where we've been battling fear for far too long. We've been battling fear in our lives for way too long. And I'm telling you, fear does not just, it's not something that we just lose altogether. We don't wake up some morning and go, you know what, today, today seems like a good day to just let go of faith and let fear take over. I think, yep, today is the day. Here we go. No, no, no. See, that's not how it works. What happens is fear takes over little by little. You see, you get a little spiritually sloppy. And then it sneaks up to you. You go you feel a few days without consulting the word and spending time in relationship. It sneaks up and a, a few more days, you, you don't follow your guide. You don't look to the Father. You don't check your compass to make sure you're sailing the right way. And what happens is you, you kind of open your eyes and you realize I'm out in the middle of a storm, rocking back and forth. And all you can do is focus on the waves crashing beside you. Because you don't even know how you got there. But I'm telling you, this is what Jesus said. Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? All you got to do is have faith. All you got to do is have faith. It doesn't matter if that storm is a storm that you're in because you put yourself in that storm. Or if that's a storm that God walked you through because he needed you to see his faithfulness. But what he's saying is, storm's irrelevant. Why don't you have faith? Because what happens is when we have faith, we get this wonderful calm. We get a perfect peacefulness. You know, I, I, I think there may be some of you here today that you feel like you're getting closer and closer to that storm. Fear kind of seems to be circling in and you've had faith and you've been looking for God and you've been challenging yourself. But there's a little bit of fear that's been creeping in. There's a little bit of pressure that's been pushing in. You've been looking, looking not at the Father, but you keep, you keep looking at the walls around you. You keep, you keep noticing the size of the land, the people in the land. You, you've allowed the people in your camp to spread a little bit of fear. Maybe you're starting to believe it yourself. Your faith has slowly begun to dwindle. Maybe you're here today and you're not even like worried that maybe you're in a storm, but you're, you're dead in the middle. Your worry's a little bit different. You're saying, I, I'm in a storm and I don't even know if I can hold on any longer. I'm so afraid of what I'm doing and where I'm at and where God has me. I don't even know where to move or what to do. Maybe there's some of you here that you found yourself, you went through the storm, you washed up on a beach, beater, beaten and battered and torn down and broken. You just feel lost. See, I don't know where you're at. 
with your journey of faith over fear, but what I know is the God we serve. What I know is that faith over fear is a choice. It's a choice that begins with relationship and saying, God, what do you want? Why do you have me here? What do I have to do to move forward? What steps should I take? Let me follow you. You know, in just a moment, I want to pray over us. And after I pray, we're going to sing a song. And I just, I want, here's what I feel like God's doing. You see, I'm going to pray and I, I want to take some time to identify those of you who would say, you know what, I, I'm locked in fear. I, I've got fear all around me. I've got fear of situation, fear of finances, fear of relationships, fear of uh, is God going to provide, fear of am I doing the right thing, fear of if I'm doing the wrong thing. I just got fear all around me. Fear if I'm going to even make tomorrow. Fear if I got the strength to move on. Fear if I'm qualified enough. Fear if I'm good enough. Fear if I've made too many mistakes for God to even love me. And I want to identify that fear because I want to pray over you. And then we want to take a moment because, you see, fear brings about anxiety and there's something about anxiety. Is that anxiety and gratitude cannot exist in your brain at the same time. You see, we're facing this anxiety and the fear of this anxiety and the anxiety of fear, and it just overwhelms us. And you want to get over anxiety and you want to get over fear? Have faith in God and worship the Father, not for what He has done in the past, but what He is going to do. That is the faith that we have. And so we're going to worship God. We're going to worship God by faith that the fear that we're in and the storm we're walking through is gone. That the storm we're walking through, not only is it gone, but it has a purpose to push us further to closer to God that we need to be. And so here's what I want to do. I want everybody's head bowed and eyes closed. I want this to be a moment between you and God. And I'm just going to begin to pray. I'm just going to begin to pray over you. That God would begin to reveal fear. Reveal those areas of fear, of overwhelming anxiety. Father God, Lord. Lord Jesus, I just pray right now. Lord, let us know you. Let us spend a moment. A moment in consecration. Let us kadash. just hold right in your presence right in your ways Jesus Lord I begin to pray that the fear that surrounds us begins to be overwhelmed by the faith that grounds us Jesus Here's what I want to do. This is what I feel like God's asking us to do because I'm telling you, fear hides in shadows. Fear hides in the darkness. Fear hides in the background. And so here's what I want to do. If you're in a place in your life today, you say, I've got fear surrounding me. I've got fear creeping up on me. I've been beaten and battered. I've been in a storm and I need to be let go of this fear. I need to hold on to faith. Here's what I want you to do. I want, if you would just be as bold to just stand up.
and say, I've got fear in my life that I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to let go of. Come on, Jesus. Be bold and stand up and say, I'm ready to let go of this fear. I cannot live life in this storm anymore. I'm ready to wake Jesus up from the nap that I've let him sleep in and get him active in my life today. If you've got fear in your life, this is your moment to let go of that, to walk out of here free from that fear, to walk out of here lighter than you walked in here. Changed because of the goodness of God. Set free by his faithfulness. Let me tell you something about fear. You see, I've had every opportunity to face fear and to choose fear this week alone. Can I tell you some truth about the goodness and the faithfulness of God? Because I think there's some of you here still today. You're going, I've got this fear, but I just don't see the faithfulness. I don't see the faithfulness, and so I'm not ready to stand up. I'm not ready to give up the fear because I don't see the faithfulness. Let me tell you about the faithfulness of God. I didn't have a worship leader for today until Thursday. You want to talk about fear? You want to talk about the fear that surrounds us? I'm telling you, when every other way that I planned, every other person that I called to get in here and to enter us into his courts with praise and to worship and to enter the Holy Spirit into this room, fell apart. It was not until I took a moment to kadosh. I consecrated myself. See, I didn't make a phone call. I didn't line up worship leaders. My God did. His faithfulness came through because that's what he does. That's all he does. He is only ever faithful. So I'm telling you, if you're facing fear right now, whether you see the faithfulness or not, God's going to get you to the edge of the water. He's not asking you to trust him to part the waters yet. All he's asking you to do is just put your toe in the water. Just put your toe in the water and then watch what he does. That's the goodness of him. Father God, Lord, I pray over the fear right now. I pray over the fear that is being faced. Lord, I pray that the fear is silenced, that the fear that is holding them down, the fear that is weighing down on them is crushed because we brought it to light. We brought that fear out of darkness and fear does not exist in your presence. It does not exist in your faithfulness. It does not exist in relationship with you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for faithfulness. I pray for goodness. I pray for strength, Jesus. Lord, this is who you are. This is who you are. Come on, church. Why don't you all stand? I want to take a moment and I want to sing.